0: The beginning of the Gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. These are the words that begin one of the four historical dramas of our salvation that we call the Gospel according to St. Mark. Now, as we begin this new liturgical year, we also begin to hear from one of, the other three, one of the four Gospels. So last liturgical year, which ended just two weeks ago, we were hearing Sunday after Sunday after Sunday, From which gospel? Matthew, right? Remember all those parables after parables? But this liturgical year, our focus is going to be on the gospel of Mark. So we'll move through the gospel of Mark. Now, St. Mark, unlike Matthew and Luke, see, he doesn't begin his gospel with what you would think he would, the birth of Jesus. Rather, he initiates his gospel with the words, The beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Then he says, As it is written in Isaiah the prophet, Behold, I am sending my messenger ahead of you. He will prepare your way. A voice of one crying out in the desert, Prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight his paths. You see, St. Mark, right at the beginning of his gospel, brings us all the way back to the prophet Isaiah. And the very words he quotes right at the beginning of his Gospels are the very words that we hear today in our first reading. So, let's go back there. Let's go back to the prophet Isaiah in order to fully grasp exactly what was expected of the people of God during Isaiah's time as he's saying, a voice will cry out in the desert. You see, after Isaiah says that that one will come with a voice crying out in the desert, he says this: In that time, when that voice speaks, the glory of the Lord shall be revealed, and all people shall see it together. And this glory, of which Isaiah speaks, means only the glory which the people of God, the people of Israel, associated with Yahweh, the one true God, but more importantly, the God who led them through the Exodus. The God who led them when they were enslaved to Pharaoh in Egypt, out through the Red Sea and into freedom. His glory, His glory will be revealed. Now with that in mind, Let's go back to the gospel. And we hear Mark quote those words from Isaiah, that one is to cry out in the desert. There's going to be a voice in the desert that cries out. And then immediately when he says that and he quotes that, these are his his words. John the Baptist appeared in the desert. You see, John the Baptist is the one. He's the voice. He's the one who cries out. He's the one who prepares the way of the Lord. He's the one who makes straight the path of God himself. So the one that he points to is the glory of God. And so, we hear John the Baptist doing this interesting thing. He's baptizing people. And this is what makes his proclamation so believable. I mean, think about this. The scriptures say that people of the whole Judean countryside. And it says all the inhabitants of Jerusalem were going out to him. That's no small amount of people. That's like saying all of Biloxi was going down to the lighthouse to hear Father Colton preach. They wouldn't do that, but. The all of Biloxi, yes, even West Biloxi, So why is John so popular? What has it to where everybody in Jerusalem is going out to be baptized by him? The scriptures tell us that he was baptizing in the Jordan River. Okay, Father, why is that so important? Because the Jordan River is the very place where the first exodus ended. So the people are in Egypt, they cross over the Red Sea, they wander in the desert, in the wilderness for 40 years, and then when they get to the Promised Land, they've got to cross over the Jordan River, and they cross over on dry ground. Now this man, who has some unusual fashion choices to say the least, such as camel's hair and a leather belt, he's going out to the Jordan, to bathtub. Now he could go to the back of his house he could have got water in Jerusalem but he chooses to go to the Jordan. Why? He goes to where the first Exodus ends because the new Exodus is coming. And this new Exodus isn't a liberation from slavery to some physical thing, physical slavery. This new Exodus is a freedom A liberation from selfishness, from the worldly ways, but most importantly, from sin. The new exodus is beginning. And so the time has come. The prophet is crying out for this new exodus to be ushered in. The Lord is coming, one mightier than he is going to arrive on the scene. And as we hear in John's Gospel, when he points to Jesus, he says, Behold the Lamb of God. As the catechism instructs us, when the church celebrates the liturgy of Advent each year, she makes present this ancient expectancy of the Messiah, that expectancy that was with Isaiah, the expectancy that was around the culture during John the Baptist. The church continues and says, For by sharing in the long preparation of the Savior's first coming, the faithful renew their ardent desire for his second coming. How can you describe your desire for God's coming? Is it ardent? I mean, do you even want Jesus to come again? Do you want his presence? Do you want to be free? Do you long to be with him? Do you long to see him? My brothers and sisters, it is most certain that the times that we live in now is a desert and is a wilderness. There is a God famine among us. Hearts are longing for the living waters of God, yet they don't even know it. They chase after the things of this world because they think it will satisfy them. Our culture, our society, and even we ourselves at times, wander aimlessly in the wilderness, in the desert of this life. War and hatred are commonplace now. Infidelity and sexual harassment is bearing more fruit than true love. Our country is divided by political stances that are important issues, but yet have become mountains where we can't even dialogue with one another. I mean, disagreement now means being offended. The world proclaims its own good tidings, its own good news. It shouts out. It announces that relativism is the answer. Your truth is your truth. My truth is my truth. We're all good. Don't worry about a thing. Love of self has been disfigured. Now we place ourselves as gods to be adored and worshipped with the newest fashions and the newest styles. The world cries out and demands that we meet its standard, or yet we have no worth. The world cries out and says, you're not in the desert. There's nothing that you really need. This is your paradise. This is your home. This is where you belong. In the world's first commandment, thou shalt not have a God but yourself. One mightier than us, though, is coming. So the question becomes, where are the modern prophets today who are crying out in this desert that we call this earth and this world? Where are the prophets that say one mightier than us exists? Where are the prophets that say one mighty than us exists because I live that way? People see that we live as though God exists and not that he is dead. Where is that politically incorrect name of Jesus on your lips and on mine? Do we prepare his way in our own hearts? Do we prepare his way in our homes? Is he welcome there? Do we prepare his way at work, in our community, even amongst our church community? Where is our Lord in the desert? In the words of John the Baptist, Christ must increase, we must decrease. Needless to say, my brothers and sisters, we need some more John the Baptist in this world.